Welcome to another Axe Church podcast. Glad you're with us today. My name is Hunter Croft and I am on staff here at Axe Church and I have with me our pastor, David Robinson. He is here to talk with us today. Um, For those of you who don't know, he also was a lawyer before he became um, a pastor here. And so he knows a whole lot about the law. So we're going to talk about um, the ruling that came out just yesterday. If you're listening to this the day that we record it, which is June 5th. Um, the ruling came out June 4th um, about this this case talking about the Masterpiece Cake Shop. If you're familiar with that at all, it was um, a baker declined to make a cake for a same-sex wedding. Um, and so there's a lawsuit that ensued, made its way to the Supreme Court, and now we have a ruling on that. So we talk about the implications of their ruling, and we talk about um, the implications of how Christians deal with with same-sex attraction and homosexuality in the world around us today, um, how we should look at that. And I just wanted to give you a heads up that this is a very, um, it's kind of a messy topic. So um, sometimes the, the, the nuances get muddy and it gets hard to um, work through them all, but um, follow along with us. We're going to do our best to uh, talk about those things and we hope you enjoy it. <laughs> uh, we actually have a lot to talk about today, and so I want to kind of get into it. Uh, we, uh, if you have been looking at uh, social media, I put out yesterday that we would be talking about this subject, and I will be talking about this subject, Lord willing. Uh, there was a, court, a, a case that came out in the Supreme Court uh, yesterday, and the case is called Masterpiece Cake Shop, LTD, uh, versus the Colorado Civil Rights Commission. And this is a case that has been going through the courts since 2012. So it's this kind of the way that it works. The Supreme Court is uh, by the time the Supreme Court gets a case and, you know, adjudicates it or comes to a decision on it. It's often been in the in the courts for years and years and years. And that's the case with this with this particular case. And they issued their opinion or actually a number of opinions. Uh, yesterday uh, on this. And so we're going to talk about the case. We're going to talk about what the Supreme Court had to say. We're going to talk about uh, what it means legally. And we're going to talk about what it means for us as as believers, as those who are trying to love our neighbor as ourselves, um, to uh, what what these decisions and, and, and what these things that are happening in, in, in terms of, of what's going on with this mean for us. And so let me start by just kind of laying out the, the basics, the framework uh, of what happened here. For those of you who don't know, no, this was a case in the, in the state of Colorado, and the state of Colorado has a, um, a law uh, regarding civil rights and, and the right of people to be, have access to uh, goods and services and so on. And essentially, I'll just make it real simple. One of the protected classes in the law is uh, those who would identify as gay or lesbian, transgender, and so on. Um, Let's just use the word sexual orientation. So the law basically said, look, you cannot deny goods or services to someone uh, because of their sexual orientation. Okay, the, um, their, the way that they identify as far as sexual orientation goes. And so what happened was a couple, uh, uh, two men, went to uh, a cake shop called Masterpiece Cake Shop in Colorado. And they were, at the time, same-sex marriage was not legal in Colorado, uh, but it was in Massachusetts. And they were going to go to Massachusetts and have a same-sex ceremony. And they went to this cake shop and said, we would like to... Uh, 
get a cake made by you. And this is a guy who makes custom cakes for weddings. Uh, for those of you who have been married or have ever ordered a custom cake, you know that's a, they're very expensive. It's a very serious undertaking. And this guy um, is, was a believer, a Christ follower, and basically said, listen, I, I will sell you, you guys anything that you want. Um, you know, we'll do, we can do brownies, I can do birthday cakes, I can, you know, you know, no, no disparagement of the individuals. He just basically said, but I will, I do not make, um, custom cakes. I do not create custom cakes to celebrate same sex weddings because I have a religious objection, uh, to, to same sex weddings. I believe at the time, you know, they were also illegal in Colorado. And so, uh, he was, you know, he was against, uh, doing it on those grounds. So that's, that's the basics. I don't think there's really much contention about what happened, which is to say he definitely, or, or as far as the, the evidence is, as the Supreme Court writes it, that he offered them to sell them anything they wanted. He didn't kick them out of his store. He didn't do anything like that. He just specifically said, you know, essentially his argument is my cakes are art. Their artwork that I make that's very specific uh, for a wedding. You know, I am very involved in the process. I consider them to be creations of art and to have a message. And that message is I'm celebrating, you know, marriage. I'm celebrating, you know, in the case, this marriage or that marriage. And because I feel compelled by the teachings of of Scripture and and Jesus Christ, uh, that marriage is something that's between one man and one woman, I I cannot in good conscience create a cake, which he would consider a piece of art, um, which by the way, the, the logo for Masterpiece Cake Shop is an artist's, what do you call those things with a paint? Palette. Palette, an artist's palette with like a whisk and a paintbrush. So he clearly did think of what he was doing as art. And said, I, I can't create an artwork to celebrate something that I believe to be, uh, you know, uh, wrong. And so these guys, they went to the uh, commission that oversees this type of thing, and the commission ruled against the cake maker, uh, the, the, the gentleman at Masterpiece Cake Shop. And so, they, so Masterpiece Cake Shop uh, appealed that, and essentially that went up to the, the main commission. They denied it, and then it went to the Court of Appeals in Colorado. They also said the same thing. You know, you can't do this. You have to, you know, you've got to make cakes for people in these situations. And then they tried to appeal it to the Supreme Court in Colorado. Uh, the Supreme Court in Colorado did not take the case. And so they appealed to the Supreme Court of the United States. Uh, and essentially what, what Masterpiece Cake Shop is saying is, listen, uh, this is a free speech issue. I should not be compelled or made to say things. Um, that I disagree with. I shouldn't, you know, I shouldn't be made to say things I disagree with. And in the alternative, let's just say, and, or this is a violation of my right under the first amendment to free exercise of religion that I, that I have a conscience issue here that I'm not, I'm not using it to discriminate against individuals, but that I, but, but I have a conscience issue with taking part in this particular ceremony and I shouldn't have to do that. So that's the case as it went to the Supreme court. Any questions, Hunter? Cause I know you're coming to this kind of, um, as, as the audience may be. And so any questions that have come up for you as I've laid that out? No, I think that's mostly clear. Um, I mean, you mostly gave at least his, his, uh, qualm i'll say hey you gave his his perspective on it um i'm curious did did the uh the gay couple did they claim that he was did, did they feel that he was um denying them 
service in general or um no no what i've given you is are the facts that the supreme court has laid out as the facts of the case um i don't i don't know that anyone's arguing that any of the things that i've just said are true that these are the claims that he's making they're they're uh the the folks that went into the to the cake shop uh they were there one time he essentially said, and I can tell you what he said. It's it's here in the case, uh, but he basically said, "Look, I can make you cakes for your birthdays, cakes for showers, uh, sell you brownies, sell you other items in the cake shop. I just can't create this kind of a cake. I don't think there's any anyone has denied that, or whether mm-hmm. they have or they haven't. These are the facts that were before the Supreme Court, right? Um, and so those 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 are you know, the facts as they sat. Mm-hmm. The question is is less about the facts, which seem to be, and usually by the time you're before the Supreme Court, it's it's not facts that you're arguing about, but law, right? Yeah, they, they interpretation. questions of law. Um, and so that's where we are. So uh, I listened to the arguments for this case back in, I believe it was December. And, uh, you know, because I'm, I'm a total nerd for this kind of stuff. I, I, not just for cases like this, but just for Supreme Court stuff and whatever, but obviously big cases um, that, that uh, have to do with issues that uh, where religious freedom or free speech or things like that are involved, I tend to be pretty into that. And so I listened to the arguments back in December, and uh, and then this case finally came out in June, which is normal for sort of the really big cases of the of the term, the Supreme Court term, because they take the summers off and so on, come out, tend to come out in June. And so here's this one. This is one of the biggest cases, if not the biggest case, depending on who you talk to, of the year. And so what I want to do is I want to talk about what the Supreme Court ruled. So the court basically ruled for Masterpiece Cake Shop. And it would be nice if it was that simple, which is to say, okay, one person won and one person lost and, and the rest of, you know, we can just sort of, you know, divide things into really sharp lines, but it wasn't that simple. Uh, for those of you who don't know the way the Supreme Court works, there are nine people on the court and they, uh, you have to have at least five of the nine, uh, a majority, to make a decision in a case. In this case, we actually have seven justices who voted on the side of Masterpiece Cake Shop, which is to say uh, that what happened in this case, the commission essentially ruling against the cake shop, that the commission was wrong, that the, that the cake shop guy was not treated correctly. Um, when, he, when he decided not to make this cake, he was not treated correctly by the state of Colorado and so on. So it was seven to two? It was seven to two. So I was, I was reading um, just... I just Googled basically Masterpiece Cake Shop. Um, And I saw a lot of news outlets describing it as a very narrow margin to have won by. Is this, is seven to two a a narrow margin by Supreme Court standards? It's not. Uh, There are a lot of, there are a lot of cases that are uh, ruled on five, four, that type of thing. I think what may have happened in the news cycle yesterday is that people were talking about the narrow ruling, which the ruling is narrow. And we're going to talk about what that means in a second. And then other people kind of took offense to that and started saying, or, or not offense, but sort of took that and ran with it and said, Oh, you're saying it's a narrow ruling when no, you know, this guy won seven to two. Well, no, it's not narrow. Seven to two is a, is a significant uh, win. A, this is a super majority of the court. Um, and so it wasn't narrow in that sense. It was narrow in another sense. And uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to quickly try to give you what the court really ruled on because it's actually relatively narrow, which is to say what they actually ruled on. What the court essentially said here was um, that the way that the law was applied oh, I see. in okay. this case 
was that was was you know improper because it improperly um, disparaged the religious beliefs of the masterpiece cake shop uh, and, and this individual. And what happened was when this went before the commission, the commission said some things about religious beliefs in general, about his religious beliefs that were disparaging. Okay. Essentially, Oh, people try to use religion. They've tried to use it to justify slavery and the Holocaust. And whether those things are true or not, um, you know, wasn't the point. The point was that the, that the commission was taking a, a position and improperly using the religious basis, the reason for his objection was was religious, and so they were taking the the uh, religious basis of his ob- objection and disparaging his religion as a result of that. And so the court, at the end of the day, as simple as I can put it, the court basically said it was improper that the government has to be neutral towards religion, and that they showed an improper bias, essentially, an improperly disparaging religion. Um, and one of the reasons was, you know, after this particular case, there were at least three other cases. Cases that came before that commission, where the person who was claiming to be discriminated against wasn't a same-sex couple, but rather was uh, a religious person who wanted a cake shop to make a um, to make a cake that disparaged same-sex marriage or same-sex couples. And these cake shops said, "We won't make cakes that do that, that disparage same-sex uh, couples or people who are identifying as gay, that type of thing. We won't make those." And the commission said, you can discriminate against this person for that reason, but not that you could discriminate against that, that this, that, that the masterpiece cake shop was not allowed to discriminate against making a cake for a same sex wedding. But these people were allowed to discriminate against putting a particular, uh, making a cake that celebrated, you know, anti. Okay. Anti gay. And one of the reasoning, one of the reasons they gave for it was that, Oh, well they were willing to sell these people other stuff in the store. That's what the commission was saying. But of course, in the Masterpiece Cake Shop uh, case, he also had said he was willing to sell people whatever, whatever else in the store. And they said, that doesn't matter for him, but it does for them. So there was all this inconsistency. And it appeared that the, that the inconsistency fell on that, that one or more commissioners were hostile towards religion in I general. See. And because of that, they're saying, look, you, that is an improper... Uh, way to deal with religion, and therefore it's it's a burden on this guy's free exercise of religion, and therefore it can't stand. So that's that's what the majority opinion said. Now let me let me jump through a couple of what we call concurring opinions. Okay, so so there were actually six people that joined the majority opinion totally. Okay, that means that they agreed with all the things that Justice Kennedy, and we can talk about Justice Kennedy in a second, but they agreed with all the things that Justice Kennedy said in the opinion. Then there was one person who uh, agreed with the ruling and joined in part of that opinion, um, but wrote his own opinion also. And then there was a set of two people who concurred with the opinion, but also wanted to say something else. Okay. So the the way it breaks down is Justice Kennedy wrote the majority opinion. With him, Justice Breyer and Justice Kagan, which are considered two of the more liberal justices, along with the more conservative justices or those who people consider more conservative, which would be Alito and Roberts and Thomas, okay, and Gorsuch, the new justice, they all joined with the main opinion. Two people, Justice Sotomayor and um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, wrote a dissenting opinion. They disagreed with the majority. But of those who agree with the majority, you had two of them 
which was Gorsuch, with which Alito joined, wrote a concurring opinion saying, we agree with this, but we want to say a few more things. And then Kagan wrote a concurring opinion that Breyer agreed with and said, we agree with this, but we want to say a few more things. Now, the Kagan-Breyer was interesting. And it was interesting because Kagan and Breyer wanted to say, listen, essentially what I think Kagan and Breyer wanted to say was, we would have ruled that that the call that they were right. In other words, that the Colorado Civil Rights Commission or whatever was correct in doing this if it had not been so inconsistent. In other words, if there had been more consistency about the way they did things and so on, uh, and it didn't and it didn't have the appearance of burdening the free exercise of religion, we would have done it. In other words, we actually think what this guy did was wrong and could very it could very easily be illegal. It could very easily be distinguished from those other cases where they wanted him to make you know whatever. We we would have we we probably would have fallen on that side, other than the fact that what Kennedy wrote and what the majority found, that it was clearly they were they were being impermissibly um, harsh and disparaging on religion. If it hadn't been for that, the actual on the actual discrimination part of things, we actually probably would have gone that direction. That's the impression I get from reading their concurring opinion. I see. Um, uh, Thomas wrote an opinion that basically put the whole thing in free speech rather than free exercise of religion. Thomas's point being, listen, when you go and make a wedding cake, that is a, you know, and of course, if you know what these things cost, they're so expensive. You know, people spend tons and tons of time. The cake at weddings is generally not about eating. Mm-hmm. It's generally about the, it's, it's a symbol, right? Which yeah. by its nature is speech. That's what symbols are, okay? If you put a, an Axe Church uh, logo, for mm-hmm. instance, on your car, which I encourage everyone to do. Um, it's speech. You're saying something, right? You're, mm-hmm. you're making a statement. Even though it's just a logo, it's making a statement. A cake for a wedding that's really not about eating, it's really about what it says and what it looks like and what it celebrates. You know, Thomas's thing is certainly if this guy's saying this is him speaking, it's him speaking. And his speech is, should be protected and the state should not be able to, to compel him to speak a message that he doesn't want to speak. And so in this case, he doesn't want to say that he celebrates same-sex marriages, and therefore the state shouldn't be able to make him, force him, compel him to say, uh, to, to, to make that message. Generally speaking, we don't do that in this country. We don't make people say things that they don't want to say. If you want to sit during the Pledge of Allegiance in school, you may sit. You know, I can't make you stand up and say the Pledge of Allegiance. I just can't. It's just not something that I can compel you to do. Um, and, and I think that's good. Now, I, whether I think somebody should stand or sit for the Pledge of Allegiance, that's not the point at all. The point is that somebody should have the right to not be compelled to speak that which they don't want to speak, okay? And so that's Thomas is really pushing on that side of things. That's where he thinks the case should have been decided. And I actually tend to agree with Thomas. I actually think that the case is a, is a clear free speech case. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the case is, is, you know, when you're talking about <clears throat> vendors at a wedding that create art, you're a photographer, you've mm-hmm. done wedding photography before right. and so on. Um, if you're doing that as an artist, you're going in and you are creating uh, photographs, right? That are art. They're not just images. They're not snapshots. They're mm-hmm. fo- they're artistic photographs of a wedding. That that your whole point in doing so is to capture that celebration. Is to capture what's happening there on on paper. It takes a, it takes a skill set, an artistic skill set. It takes time, effort, energy, and at the end, you create a product that is your art. 
that is mm-hmm. saying something. I consider that to be speech. In fact, I think it's a, a pretty absurd to even suggest that it's not speech. Mm-hmm. Um, all a photograph in a magazine would be speech. Um, so a photograph, I mean, they found, you know, photographs of, of all kinds of things to be speech. So wedding photography would have to be. In the same way, a cake is a, is a sculpture. Um, it's a lot more than something you eat. Okay. It's just a mm-hmm. lot more than something you eat. And, and there's a reason if it was, if it wasn't, let's be honest, we would all go because for 79 cents and two eggs and some sugar, mm-hmm. I can go buy a cake right in right. the store. And it takes me what, 30 minutes to cook. a cake. I mean, I've made cakes before. I don't remember, but I could, I could buy a bunch of cakes and throw them out there and everybody has to get probably tastes better than a wedding cake. <laughs> um, and it would cost me, you know, $5 and 79 cents to feed a hundred people with cake. If that's all I was trying to do. Clearly a wedding cake is something different. And so I do believe that Thomas is right in that it's speech uh, in this case. But, but I want to, it doesn't matter what I think, because at this point, uh, I have not been named to be on the Supreme Court. And I'm pretty sure that if I was, they wouldn't allow me to. I thought you were waiting for a call. I, I'm, I've stopped holding for, <laughs> for, uh, for that. So um, for those of you who don't know, I am an attorney. Uh, I've been you know, doing this kind of thing for, for quite a long time. Uh, but no, I am not on the Supreme Court, in case you were wondering. Like a whole week now. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, uh, I wish. Um, so let's talk about a couple of things, okay? Let's, let's talk about what this comes down to. I've given you basically what the court said, but I'm not sure that that helps anybody to understand very much about what's going on. One of the things that was brought up is you're, you're dealing with these tensions, okay? The court is dealing with these tensions, and the tensions are between protecting people from discrimination in being able to um, get the goods and services that they need without having to worry about being discriminated against. This, this was, became a very important issue uh, after the Civil War. Um, when, you know, when this country got rid of slavery and, you know, we still had a major, we still do have major problems, but we certainly had major problems then. And there were issues with, uh, what we would call these, these were called public accommodation laws. That's what these were. Right. And so if you wanted to, if you were a black man and wanted to get a, a hotel in Mississippi, you know, or Georgia, uh, you needed some sort of protection. Or you were going to go to a hotel and they were going to say, I'm sorry, you can't stay here. In which case, what would you do, right? You, you, you're driving through, your, your ability to travel is cut off and so on. Um, there's there, ob- the obvious uh, indignity that's involved with it and so on. And so, and even with the public accommodation laws, the things did not become perfect or anything like it, um, even in public accommodations. But, th- but this kind of law has been part of our, what we call jurisprudence for a long time. Uh, laws that would affect public accommodation, um, laws that basically say you cannot discriminate against somebody on certain things. Okay, um, and so we're trying to balance. The court is trying to balance public accommodations and not discriminating against people in public accommodation, things that they need, which which would be in this case um, so broad as to include basically anything you could buy from a store, any good and service that's offered to the public. Right. And so they want to make sure that that you can get those things. That's one side. The other side is religious freedom, freedom to exercise your religion. And so the question is, what happens when public accommodations come up against religious freedom? And which is what happened here. In one case, somebody's coming in and they're wanting something from a store. And the other person has the right to exercise 
religion freely. Well, the general rule is, you know, well, let me ask you this. Do you think under the Constitution, which says you have the right free exercise of religion, okay? Do you think that under the Constitution that the government is allowed to burden that right or take it away from you ever? No. It is. It actually is completely allowed to. For instance, um, let's say that you're a Christian and you want and you love to sing worship music and it's part of your religion. Are you allowed to at school, all through every class in your public school, just sing worship music and say, "I'm freely exercising my religion"? Ah, I see. No, of uh, course not, right? Know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, you have there are religious practices that I can't stop you from doing ever, but I can stop you doing from doing them in certain places. Um, you know, think about cases like the Ten Commandments cases in front of courthouses that came that, that were going on a lot years ago. Things like that. There are circumstances where the government can absolutely burden your free exercise of religion. R- rights have to balance out and make sense, but what they cannot do is make a law that targets your free exercise of religion. In other words, w- the way the, the law would talk about it is it would need to be neutral. They can make neutral laws that affect your free exercise of religion. And so if I, you know, for instance, you know, if I make a law about what can happen at a park and it's not aimed at anybody specifically, it's just, look, the park is closed. The public park is closed from five at night until nine the next morning. You can't say, I need to be allowed to go in this park to exercise my religion because it wasn't aimed at your religion when they closed the park down. Right, okay? right. Now, if the only people who ever were in the park after five, or let's say it was closed from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. because there was one group in town who was religious who would go to the park between five and seven every day for some sort of religious ceremony, and then the town council shut down the park from five to seven, Mm-hmm. Then it would be clear that they had aimed that at these religious people, right? They're the only people who are using it during that time. It's a weird time to close it down, that type of thing. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. In that case, you're not neutral anymore. You're, now it's very clear you'd find something in the legislative history that would show that. So the language doesn't necessarily have to be targeting, but but if it's there are other factors that can weigh in if on the intent not. if the intent of the legislator the legislative body is to burden religion or to burden free exercise it would be constitutionally invalid okay which is essentially what was found here okay so when you're balancing a completely neutral law might be allowed to uh burden free exercise religion there's still a test for that even then okay um it should be anytime you're bun- you're you're messing with like a fundamental constitutional bill of rights type right, you better have a good reason for it, right? Mm -hmm. It better be very clear why you need to do it, that the reason is compelling, uh, that that you've narrowly tailored that law so that it doesn't burden any more than it has to, right? Uh, But, you know, know, it, it has to be neutral. You're not intending to burden. And then you have to burden as little as possible and there has to be a good reason for it, okay? Mm -hmm. But... If you're clearly going after the religious person or would treat the religious person differently, then you're clearly burdening, and that's what this case finds. Uh, and, and when they talk about that, so they're talking about, okay, we've got these, we've got these two competing things here. On one side, we've got the, we want to protect people you know, from discrimination. On the other side, we, we have to also protect the free exercise of religion, which is a, a fundamental First Amendment right of Americans and has and has and has a long and storied history of protection. And so how do we do that? 
Uh, one of the things that was mentioned is, hey, listen, objecting to same-sex marriage on religious or philosophical grounds is a protected objection. In other words, you are allowed to have it. And in fact, many, many, many people still, uh, regardless of what the law currently is on the, on the matter of same-sex marriage and wherever you stand on it, the fact is, is that there are people who object to it on philosophical or religious grounds and that their objections are protected. They're protected speech. They're protected uh, free exercise of religion. Um, they are allowed to think those things. You are allowed to think the things that you want to think. And, and those thoughts, to the extent that they are speech or religious-based, are protected. By the Constitution. So we have to give them great weight, whether they like them or not, whether the Supreme Court thinks it's a good thing or not. A lot of these things sort of the market takes care of, if that makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the Supreme Court does not take care of them because you can't come in and burden things just to burden them. Okay. I found it interesting that the court used that language, religious and philosophical objections. What do you, what does anything stand out to you about those two terms, Hunter? Um, yeah, I was just thinking about what is there a, a clear difference between um, religious and philosophical? I think there could be. What would you What would you suggest the difference would be when the when the court says it? What do you think they're thinking? Um, because they're clearly saying religious and philosophical as two different things. So religious would be um, based on some sort of scripture. Whereas yeah, philosophical so. would be based on logic. I think that I think that's what the court would say if you asked them to define that would be that a religious objection is an objection based on the teachings of a religion, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a, a scripture or something like that. Um, philosophical objections would be objections that were based only in philosophical reasoning as right. opposed to that. Now, the problem with it is with, with that is that your religious teachings could be very philosophically valid, right? right? Um, and your philosophical uh, musings could be completely consistent with, with religion, which is why they're both religious and philosophical objections. In fact, there are people from all kinds of different religions and all kinds of non-religions, philosophical backgrounds, who disagree uh, with same-sex marriage, that, that, that think that there should not be same-sex marriage. That's, that's actually more common than you think, and it's, and it's spread across people of all different philosophies and religions. Um, and so it's very, it's very common. Um, I just find it interesting when they, when they divide them out without explaining them, because what tends to happen, I think, when you use words like religious and philosophical, is one of those gets put into a category that is... That almost it's suggested is not reasonable while the other one sort of right. it's, it's almost like saying religious and reasonable right yeah. <laughs> like that they're like there's reasonable objections and then there's the religious objections right. that are just like sort of some blind faith objections well that's that's just not true yeah uh, that's just not what a religious objection is i think you've named it right when you say based on scripture or something like that is probably what they mean and probably for uh, the masterpiece cake shop my guess is that his that his beliefs were based on scripture Right. Uh, on the Bible, on the teachings of Jesus, on the teachings of the Old Testament, the teachings of the New Testament, um, but very, very possibly are also based on uh, philosophical and and uh, regular logical reasons. I wrote a book back in 2012 or 13 
um, called Love Speech. If you really want to read it, you can find it on Amazon. You may or may not find it interesting, but it's a book on this this issue, not particularly same-sex marriage, but same-sex relationships, um, the sexuality between people of the same gender, and it's got very little religious in it. Uh, you know, it's primarily philosophical, uh, and so you can have you can have both. Uh, but the state's trying to trying to kind of come between these these two things, and it it sort of in this case looked like it erred on the side of protecting religious um, freedom of expression, freedom of, of religious expression, right? I think that it was, when they say it was narrow, I think that's what they mean, that it, yeah. that it was very narrowly ruled on, because I'm not sure, I'm certain that all seven of those justices would not have, if there had not been this animosity towards religion, Breyer and Kagan almost certainly would have ruled against Masterpiece Cake Shop. Right. Almost certainly. Right. Um, the other four conservative justices, not including Kennedy, um, would have ruled certainly for Masterpiece Cake Shop, and I don't know what Kennedy would have done. So let's, let's talk about Anthony Kennedy. Have you heard that name before? Nope. Okay, good. Um, the, the, again, the Supreme Court's made up of nine justices. Anthony Kennedy was, uh, I believe he was... I, I want to say late 80s. It could have been early 90s. No, it has to, it has to be late 80s. Anyway, Kennedy's been on the bench for longer than you've been alive. Man. Um, and he's, he's, he's an older guy. And Kennedy is, he's interesting because he's sort of the, what we call the swing vote, right? It takes five justices to right, make anything. Right. Well, we have four justices that, are, that would be considered the liberal justices and four justices, which would be considered the conservative justices. Um, and Kennedy is the swing vote. So he's considered, quote unquote, a conservative justice because he was appointed by a Republican. But I can tell you unequivocally that there have been justices appointed by Republicans that have been very liberal. So that is really not the end all be all is who appointed them. Um, but he swings conservative on certain kinds of cases and he swings quote unquote liberal on certain kinds of cases. Interestingly, he usually writes the opinions on the cases that he, uh, that he splits the decision on. And so Kennedy is the one who wrote the decision legalizing same sex marriage. Uh, he voted with the liberals on that. And I'm just using these terms as, as what people who are in, you know, who talk about the Supreme Court in the news and so on, that these are the terms that they use. I don't, I don't know that liberal and conservative are the terms I would use to describe. They're, they actually each have their own very specific philosophy on the Constitution. But he voted with the liberals on same-sex marriage. He voted with the liberals um, in the big uh, abortion case back in the early 90s called Planned Parenthood v. Casey. Uh, where it was, where it, we were a breath away from having uh, abortion on demand not legal anymore, and Kennedy swung over with the liberal side of the court and and wrote that opinion. He also uh, wrote Lawrence v. Texas, which was uh, a case about sodomy. Um, you know, he has consistently written the decisions, uh, both the same sex. Uh, cases there was Obergefell uh, and, and then there was a case a couple years before that that had to do with uh, the Defense of Marriage Act and so on he wrote he wrote the opinion in that case as well so Kennedy tends to be the one that, that decides these kinds of cases is that because he's the swing vote or is it because he's just more eloquent better writer than the other judges it is decidedly not the second thing you said 
He's not uh, a good writer. I I do not find Kennedy's uh, writing to be at all the best of the justices. It's fine. I mean, they're all good writers. You yeah. wouldn't be a Supreme Court justice. But there's nothing special about what he writes. I don't. I do not find his reasoning to be particularly compelling. I don't find his writing to be particularly compelling. Interesting. Um, he he gets he gets the case because he swings. He swings the vote, and as a result, they let him write it, right? So, uh, Do they get like a bonus for writing these things or something? No, they don't. But <laughs> they just feel good about there, themselves. Yeah, there is some uh, prestige in writing an opinion on an important case. Hey, that makes sense. And so if you got four people over here and you go, hey, Anthony, that's his name, Anthony Kennedy. Hey, Anthony, uh, Tony, if you'll come over on our side, you can write you can write the opinion on our side. So he knows that he gets to do that. So he's been, he's been doing that. There's a, there's a book out there called the nine. Um, and it probably came out 10 years ago or so. It sounds and, like a, like a high school project. Like, yeah. Hey, we need you on our, yeah. to do our project and we'll let you do whatever you want. It's kind of <laughs> like that. But the, if you ever get a chance to read this book, it goes through the Supreme court, the history up to probably 10 years ago and really kind of lays out Anthony Kennedy and his sort of coming into the role of being the swing vote and getting to write these cases and how he's got, you know, I have my own opinions about Kennedy, but I don't know him personally. Uh, all I can tell you is that he often is the one that writes these cases and that swings the vote. And usually in these, what we, what I would call these kind of culture war cases, yeah. uh, Kennedy is swinging the vote liberal, usually. In this case, he quote unquote, swung the vote conservative, but not really because he had two of the liberals who agreed that this was a case that, you know, was, yeah, they was ended up, a free exercise issue. Yeah, they ended up not... I, I, when, I, when I was reading about it, because you told me we were going to talk about this yesterday, so I Googled it, you know, um, and it just sounded to me mostly like they, they had punted on, on this issue. They were mostly just saying, well, this particular case was was inappropriate like you said earlier um by the that was it like a committee or something that that first mm -hmm. dealt with it um right. they were basically saying the the ruling seemed to have more to do with how local governments treat disputes like this rather than the dispute itself is what i felt um by it which you know was kind of um i think it's i think that it it pretty narrowly hits just this case and is yeah. not as widely applicable as there's going to be. It depends on who you ask. Okay, if you ask the again, uh, and we're going to talk about this sort of culture war mentality, but there's a whole there's a whole culture war mentality out there. And if you go to the culture warriors, right on either side, on one side, let's call it the side that was that was for the couple. Mm -hmm. They're going to say this was completely narrow. It doesn't mean anything. You know, it 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 has no value. It's just a little thing. Whatever. If you go to the other side, they're going to say this is a you know the shot heard around the world. You know, we're yeah. taking back America for whatever this or that. So it just depends on which side you are. And here's my thing: both both sides need to get real and need to, and need to be realistic about what this is. It's a case. It has real implications. Um, which is to say it, you're going to have to think twice about these public accommodation laws and the way that you and the way that you do them. It left some things open to be decided later for sure, particularly the first amendment issues. Um, what is it speech is a, is a, uh, 
cake maker or a photographer or a, I don't know, wedding singer. I mean, there's all these people who do weddings, right? Where this is going to come in right, right. into play. Which of these things are art and speech? Which of them can be compelled by a public accommodation law? Those are questions that are going to be, that are going to have to be answered. One thing that you know you can't do is you can't say, uh, you weren't allowed to discriminate because you're a religious bigot and all religious people are idiots. You can't do that. <laughs> there's no question about that. Yeah. But I would say even, even, to a greater extent, you've got to be very careful now um, as a state in the way that you enforce these types of things, right? Right. Um, one of the things I wanted to talk about, well, let's finish the culture war thing. Let me just say this, because one of the things I said I'd talk about is how we as believers should be um, treating and 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 dealing with our, our neighbors on this, whether they agree, don't agree, you know, what they think about same-sex marriage, what they think about homosexual, sexual relationships, uh, you know, whatever they, they are. What is our our call as a Christ follower? And it should be clear, but I, I know that this kind of culture war mentality has has blinded us, I think, a lot to um, how we ought to act. And and one of the things for me, it's tough is I, I make everybody mad because on the side of like the old school culture warrior that wants to be like, God's so against this and, and you need, we need to just be saying, you know, telling these people that they're, what they're doing is so bad and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not, that's not the way that I approach this. And on the other side that says, you know, it's totally fine and everyone should be celebrated and I'm definitely not going on that side either and so I think that a proper Christian knows how to how to actually have the mind of Christ about these things which is to say this you need to treat your neighbor with love you need to love your neighbor as yourself you need to when you are around people who feel strongly about this issue on either side you need to treat them with the love and compassion that Christ would would treat them with, without sacrificing the truth. You speak the truth in love. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that's why my the book I wrote was called Love Speech. Uh, the whole point was, you know, this this hate speech can come from both sides. You can hate people because they disagree with you. You can hate people because they have a different opinion than you. But there is no place for devaluing human beings regardless of what they believe or what they've done. They're made in the image and likeness of God. They're, you know, they are, they're his. Um, now that does not mean that, that everything that they do is okay. And that every idea that they have is okay. It's not, you know, I, I think scripture speaks very clearly um, on the issue of, of homosexual sexual relations on the issue of same sex marriage. And it is not pro. Okay. Um, I can, you know, I, I've explained this before. I can explain it in a lot of detail. I've, like I said, I've written a whole book about it. Uh, go argue with, with that if you want and engage with that if you want. I, there's no question in my mind that both philosophy and scripture uh, speak very clearly on the issue of people who are of the same gender in a sexual relationship. That sex. The proper relationship for sexuality is one man and one woman who are married and committed to that marriage for life. That is where sex should be happening. And as I've said, and often, okay, in those in those circumstances, in a good, loving, proper marriage where people are treating each other well, edifying each other, serving each other, um, that that's where sex should be taking place, okay? Outside of that, I, I disagree with it. But that's really not... That's really not the point. I don't go. I also believe things about um, gossip. I also believe things about uh, you know using using certain kinds of um, 
language and the way that you speak to someone. And uh, I mean, I, there's so many sins and nuances of sins and whatever. And I'm not going out into society and, and yelling about all of them to everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's not what I do. So why would I do that about this? Which is to say, if you want to be in relationship with me and you want to talk about um, what scripture says and so on, then we can talk about same-sex marriage. We can talk about um, you know, human sexuality in that way. But if you're not... If you're if you're an unbeliever, you're not even a Christian. What your your view on same sex marriage, or the fact that you identify yourself as gay or lesbian or transgender, has is the last thing that's the concern. The thing that's a concern for me as a believer is that you come to know Jesus Christ because it's Him that changes our hearts. Mm-hmm. Period. Right. And so, as a believer, I highly recommend that you do not get into the culture war where cases like this are big wins and losses for you personally in some sort of a in some sort of a contest or you know competition yeah. with oh, we got the liberals on this side you got the conservatives on this side and and oh we won this one like this we won this round they won that round listen First of all, if you understand scripture, you know that we've already won everything as believers, not as conservatives or liberals, as believers, we've already won. The Lord has overcome the world. Jesus has overcome the world. It's over. Now, until the time when he comes back in power and makes all things new, there will be a period of time where things will get progressively worse and worse, okay? And as far as as far as culture, and there will be cycles, and it will cycle through, and we've seen it, and whatever. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, and it's not against all these things. Our, we're about making disciples for Jesus Christ, which does mean understanding the truth. It does mean advocating for things that are true. Absolutely, mm-hmm. vote the right way. You know, make good decisions within your sphere of influence and your sphere of jurisdiction, but don't get. Don't cry every time that a case from the Supreme Court comes down that that you feel like you've lost as a result. And don't cheer every time one comes that you think is has won you something. Instead, cry every time you think about those who who are far from God and who need to know Christ, and cheer every time one of them comes to know Him, mm-hmm. without ever without ever backing off of what's true. I don't I, I don't ever back off about of what's true. What I believe about human sexuality, and yet. My friends who are who identify as gay or lesbian understand that I love them, mm-hmm. and, but they don't think that I think it's okay or that I celebrate it, and yet they still understand that I love them. That's the relationship that we're called to have with other people. Right. Do you, you agree with that? Oh, yeah, totally. Yep, I think that's, uh, I think you covered it. Well, certainly you have some experience in this area you'd like to share with us. Um, not really. I mean... Um, I know, well, I guess, I guess so kind of, um, I've definitely had friends, um, who have, have been they They've seen themselves as, uh, gay or lesbian. And yeah, I guess, um, I acknowledge that cause obviously that's, you know, it's part of who they are. Um, but I, I definitely don't, change how I treat them based on that. Um, I just try to, um, if, if they, if they want to know my opinion on whether or not what they're doing is right, um, then I can share that with them in love. If they, if, if we get to a point where I feel that I've earned the right to speak that into their life, um, then I will, but it'll still be in love. It's not going to be a, um, well, we're friends now. So if you want to stay my friend, um, you got to, you have to change this. Uh, you you got to change this about your lifestyle. 
and that's that's not how I would ever do it. Um, and there and there's a difference between the unbeliever and the believer, right? The believer has has said, "Listen, I." I am a Christ follower. I'm going to follow the commands of Christ. And your job in walking with them through their discipleship process with Christ is to uh, hold them accountable, to right. help them understand say, things that, they, that they're not doing right, and so on. Right? Yeah. No question about that. And they can do the same for me. But the unbeliever is not asked you for accountability in that way, has not said that they believe that Scripture is true, has not said that they want to have a conversation about their sexuality. Yeah. And so... And so perhaps if they were philosophically inclined, maybe they'd want to have that... The the the, the um, non-religious, not bringing Scripture into the, the equation at all, um, but just using philosophy, they could... Maybe we could have that discussion, um, which for some reason I think people... I don't know, maybe you disagree. I, I feel like for some reason people get less up in arms over those types of issues rather than religious uh, discussions. I, I don't know. I think that there's a place for scripture even for the person who doesn't uh, doesn't agree with it, which is to say, here's why I believe that it's true and here's, and here's why it's consistent with reality. Um, and yeah. so I, I don't know that I would just give perceived. up using scripture in those, in those circumstances, but rather here's my good reason for why I believe the scripture is not just something that I take in blind faith, but it's true. And here's what it says about this issue. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, you know, there's a time and a place to help people to understand their need for Christ. And sometimes that's helping people to understand that they are re- rebelling against God. Mm-hmm. You know, that they've suppressed the truth and a righteousness that as a result, their conscience may be seared, that they may, that they may be given over to the same things that all of us were before we came to Christ, which is right. to say living in sin. And so I don't have a problem addressing the issue. The question is how? Yeah. And the answer is in love, sometimes with firmness, oftentimes with gentleness, but in love living it out and speaking about it, right? And and offering the community and the love that they need to bring them to know Jesus because it's about Jesus. It's not about us and showing everybody how they're wrong with everything. Although there's nothing wrong with speaking the truth. But it but the whole reason is I look, I don't care, Hunter, if you're if you've got a problem with whatever, okay? Let's just say you've been you're you're cheating um you know, on your taxes, okay, or whatever. And I find out that you're doing that. And look, if I if I can get you to never cheat on your taxes again, but reject Jesus, that does nothing. Yeah, right. It, it does nothing for me to to see you change your behavior, but not change your heart. Mm-hmm. And so when we go from behavior modification over heart change, we're making a big mistake, and it's not the way to address people. So I've just for those of you and and the people who are the most burdened by this type of, of there, there's two sides. Okay. There's a side that's, that's really the culture warrior Christianity side. They tend to be a little bit older because that was like the seventies and the eighties. That was kind of the, the style. There was a real connection between Christianity and politics and, and Republican politics, particularly. Uh, and for those of you who know me, I'm an independent, I'm just not a political person. Um, but there was a real connection between those things. And so if you talk to a Christian who is, you know, of a certain age, they're much more likely to see the world in these culture war terms. Now, some of the younger Christians, they go almost, almost swung all the way to the other side where it's like, I'm not going to say anything about anything, right? Or I'm even going to just, I'm even just going to just, you know, deny scripture on certain issues so I can 
fit in, or I'm going to let people see Christ through me in the way I in the way I act, but I'm never going to say anything about Jesus, right? That, you know, I'm going to, my witness is just the way that I live. Well, both are, both are not the, a good way to handle this. Okay. Mm-hmm. People, lots of people from what they can see of you look like they live fine. You're, you're the idea of evangelism, um, which is to say, bringing the great good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ to people simply by, being a good guy or a good girl, um, and the people are going to come in, why are you such a good guy? Or why are you such a good girl? Tell me about Jesus. That's just not the way it's usually going to happen. I'm sure it does sometimes. But you need to be the person who both will speak the truth and will not do it as some sort of culture warrior trying to win some sort of contest, but rather in love. That speaking the truth in love, that is, a, that is where you need to be as a believer. Mm-hmm. Now let's talk about discrimination, because I think the word discrimination has come to mean something uh, that is very different than what, what the word really means. For instance, if I was to say, if you saw a comment on social media or something that says, no one should be discriminated against ever. I mean, have you seen comments like that? Yeah, definitely. That's the... That's sort of the mantra, right? Yeah. No one should be discriminated against ever. Discrimination is always wrong. The problem with that is that it's not true and absurd. Um, we put people in jail because they've committed crimes. That's discrimination. Okay. Why are you discriminating against me just because I stole a car? Right. It's discrimination. Okay. Mm -hmm. When you choose to have an apple instead of an orange, that's discrimination. Every time that you choose to do anything, you're discriminated against the alternatives. Okay. Um, we discriminate against people like, how come I can't get a senior uh, discount at the movie theater? That's discrimination. That's age discrimination, right? <laughs> Why are they allowed to do that? There's all kinds. In fact, there's tons and tons and tons of discrimination that's not only not illegal, it's not immoral, it's not, there's no problem with it at all. We discriminate for good reasons about a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Where discrimination becomes a problem is a very particular type of discrimination where you're discriminating against somebody based on a characteristic that is immutable. They can't do anything about, like uh, gender, race. Uh, national origin, uh, disability, things like that. If you describe, and those are, those are traditionally where these accommodation laws came in, were those kinds of issues. What has been added and what has really caused the problem for these kinds of issues where you have this real tension is sexual orientation. When you add sexual orientation, you get problems because what does it mean? What does it mean to, to have a particular sexual orientation? And is someone who says, I don't make cakes for same-sex weddings, discriminating based on sexual orientation? For instance, let me ask you this, Hunter. Do you think that if you, who, are, who you don't identify as gay, you have, you're married to a woman, if you went into the cake shop and asked him, I'm buying a cake, I'm the customer, I have the money, I'm buying a cake for my friends who are a same-sex couple and having a same-sex wedding, do you think he would have sold it to you because you're not identifying as gay? I don't believe so. I don't. No, of course I, not. I don't know the guy. But. No, he said the reason he wouldn't do it is because he wouldn't do it for a particular type of ceremony. Right. That is not discriminating against a person at all. That's discriminating against a certain kind of work, especially when you say to the person, I'll sell you anything in the store. I just won't create a work of art to celebrate a particular type of thing. Right. Everybody thinks that that would be okay if what they did was they came in and asked him to do something that we all find despicable. I want you to create a cake to, you know, that for this party we're going to have to discriminate against, you know, disabled people. 
Um, and he says, no, I don't, I won't do that. Um, I think that everyone would be like, yeah, duh, he shouldn't have to do that. Right. But when it's for a same sex wedding, all of a sudden that all changes. Um, because no one would think you're discriminating against the person because they, you know, you're discriminating against people who don't like disabled people, even if that was, you know, a religious category or something like that, you're discriminating against the event, the, the thing itself. Right. And so, you know, that's, that's a very different issue than discriminating against a person. But by adding sexual orientation, you get into this very, very murky water. There, the other things that are normally protected are creed and religion, other than what I would call immutable characteristics, race, gender, uh, you know, things like that, that you can't change, that you're born with, that you are what you are, um, and you can't change them. You, the only places where there are things that don't have that are things like religion, which you do choose, right? Mm -hmm. Your creed, which you do choose. Mm -hmm. um, in those situations, you are not allowed to, sometimes they throw in marital status in there, which is kind of a different, uh, sometimes there's choice involved with that, sometimes there's not. Um, but the, you can make somebody marry you um, or stop somebody from divorcing you. Um, and so your marital status is not always up to you. But certainly your religion is, your creed is, right? Mm -hmm. You can choose to believe those things or not believe those things or to be part of those groups or not. Now, with those issues, there's a specific constitutional protection in the First Amendment that says you are allowed to exercise your religion freely and therefore they have to be constitutionally they have to be protected from discrimination just like those immutable characteristics but with sexual orientation things get very 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 much more complicated because what does it mean mm -hmm. if you go in and you say i identify as gay and i say okay what does that mean and you say it means what I'm attracted to people of my own gender or I have sex with people of my own gender or I'm married to a person of my own. All of those are very different things, mm -hmm. right? Those are very, very different things. Uh -huh. And so, you know, some of those are choices. I have sex with the pe these types of people or this person or this way, you know? And what, what if I just didn't want to uh, sell my stuff to anyone who, you know, had sex with this particular person. If that, if you do that, I will discriminate you. It'd be completely legal. You know, you pick just a random person out that you don't like. <laughs> you're like, if you, if you, or or as roommates with this, if you're roommates with with Johnny, you can't come in my store. Totally legal. You, I can do that all day long. Oh, There's really? all kinds of yeah, absolutely. I can discriminate against you for anything I want, other than very specific things. Huh. There's very specific things that I can't discriminate for. So that's the thing. Is people think oh, you can't discriminate. Against, I can't discriminate against you for anything I want, other than these protected things. I shouldn't discriminated against you morally i shouldn't discriminate against you for arbitrary things and for silly things and for whatever but there's no law that says that i can't discriminate against everybody who wears a red shirt you may not i will not serve anyone wearing a red shirt no problem huh interesting yeah i'm totally totally allowed to discriminate based on those kinds of things right i mean <laughs> i've never heard of such a thing but it's not discrimination is illegal when it's a protected class so, red shirt wearers are not a protected class so, um, you're in Seattle and the 49ers are in town. You own a business in Seattle, uh, a restaurant in Seattle, and you have 49ers fans trying to come in. Can you say, no, you cannot eat here because you're wearing 49ers gear? Let me start by saying, I'm not going to give anyone legal advice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just but curious. My own personal just... opinion is, yes, you could do that. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. 
I could say if you think in your head that you like the the 49ers, you're not allowed to eat here. <laughs> um, that you know, it's just it's not a 49ers fans are not a protected class. Now they uh-huh. may be they may be an exceedingly rare class as time goes on, <laughs> um, but they're not a protected class. No offense, uh-huh. 49ers fans. Um, but no, I absolutely you, you're not protected in those classes. Discrimination is totally um, it's not illegal. It may be immoral, and it, and and it's from a business perspective, it's stupid. Mm-hmm. Any, right, right, why yeah. would you limit your audience <laughs> yeah. for selling something right but you totally can do it it's just when you say I'm doing it because you're a man or a woman mm-hmm. or because you're a Christian or a Muslim you cannot discriminate on those things now sexual orientation has been brought into this and the question is is it different in kind from these other things because is it really that we're talking about action right mm-hmm. character mm-hmm. rather than the, an immutable characteristic. So Martin Luther King Jr., Dr. King says, you know, I'm looking, I, I, I have a dream, right? That there's this going to be this world where people are not judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. And he's making a very, very clear distinction. I don't want people judged based on things they can't help. I do want them judged based on what they do. Mm-hmm. And so if I said, listen, I'm not going to serve people at my establishment who uh, cheat on their wives. If you cheat on your wife, I'm not going to serve you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for that reason. Uh, that's, that's based on what? Content of character or immutability? Mm-hmm. It's content of character, right? Mm-hmm. And so when you're talking about defining a group of people based on who they sleep with, who they are sexually active with, you are not talking about an immutable characteristic. You are talking about activity. If you're talking about an immutable characteristic, and let's just say, let's say that there was evidence, which at this point, the jury is out scientifically, but let's just say there was evidence that said that people are born with proclivities towards being attracted to their own gender or to another gender. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, let's just say it's not anyone's fault. No one is choosing it. Let's just say that, okay? Yeah. That the people you're attracted to, you're attracted to, and it's not your choice to be attracted right. to. It just happens, right. okay? Let's say that. That looks more immutable. And I think that you should very well be able to, um, to uh, be protected for something that you can't control like right, that. Right, right, right. Now, the question is, what happens when you, is there a difference between that and acting on it? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There is, right? Let me give you some examples. If I if I interview you for a job and I ask you how often Which you have. How often I did. <laughs> and I didn't ask you this, but if I ask you how often are, do you drink? You know, how often do you get drunk? And you said, I get drunk every day. And I said, oh, uh, well, we're not looking for somebody who gets drunk every day. I'm not going to hire you. I've discriminated against you based on your alcoholism, right? right. But it's pretty well documented that alcoholism is what? Somewhat genetic. Somewhat genetic, right? right. Somewhat innate. You're, it's, it, it's a disease, you know, and so on. Or the way that people describe it, it's a disease. It's something that you're born with. You have a, there are people who have a proclivity to become addicted to alcohol. Right. It's, it's a proclivity that they have. And yet, you totally, criminal behavior. Criminal behavior, okay? Um, and, and, and don't make the mistake right now philosophically of, of saying that I'm equating alcoholism or criminal behavior with homosexuality. I'm not equating them. I'm making a philosophical point. So please don't go down that road. Criminal behavior. It's well established that there, is a, there are genetic predispositions toward 
this type of behavior, right? And yet it's absolutely discrimination when I put you in jail. Of course it is. I'm based on an action that you did. I'm putting you in jail, right? I'm discriminating at you based on the fact that you steal cars or that you, you know, do drugs or whatever the thing is that I put you in jail for. Now you can, and probably would get expert after expert after expert to be able to testify that part of the reason that you did that is because you were attracted to that behavior, not of your own desire. In other words, you didn't desire to desire to steal the car. You just desired to steal it, and it wasn't something you necessarily controlled the desire, but you did control the behavior. Right, right. All right. So when it comes to homosexuality, however you want to play it, and whether you like these facts or don't like these facts, I have a huge heart, just so you know, me personally, I have a huge heart for those who struggle with same-sex attraction. I do. I think it's. I think it's a very difficult um, road to walk on, to have those types of uh, to have attractions, especially unwanted sexual attractions towards your own gender. And I have a lot of compassion for that. But but please do not try to create something that does not exist, which is that because you have those attractions, that you must act on them. It's mm-hmm. just not true. All right. You have you have a choice about whether you act on them, and I have the right, um, in fact, the duty, um, as a thinking human being, to make a a de- a decision or, or an understanding of what I think about what it means to act on any particular um, desire that you have. Right. 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 Because if you have, let's just say, let's say Hunter, you have you have uh, you don't have a sister, so that'd be good for you. Let's say that you had a sister, <laughs> and you were just for whatever reason. You were incredibly attracted to her. I don't like where this is going. No, it's not going to go to a good place. <laughs> You're incredibly attracted to your sister. She's incredibly attracted to you. Oh, this is... Can I discriminate against you if I find out that you and your sister are in a, in a romantic relationship? I sure hope so. I sure would. <laughs> I sure would. And yet you didn't choose the attraction. The attraction was there, but you did choose the relationship. Right, right. Right. Now you didn't because you don't have a sister and you wouldn't choose I wanna, to be a relationship. I want to state were. unequivocally that I do not have a sister. But there are <laughs> there are relationships that we that we absolutely believe people are attracted to without their willingness right. to be attracted where we still say they ought not to act on them. Mm-hmm. They uh, ought is a more is a moral ethical word. They ought not. There's there's a there's a good reason why they ought not to do it from a philosophical or religious or both. And in this case both. Okay. So when you talk about discriminating against sexual orientation, it just becomes very complicated because anyone who would say to somebody who walked into their store and said, I'm, I have, I'm attracted to people of my own gender, and anyone who would kick that person out of their store is doing something wrong. Right, it's, right. it's morally wrong to do that. You should not be treating people, people, human beings made in the image and likeness of God, you should not be treating them as something lesser because they happen to have a different attraction than you do. Right. You should not be treating them as something lesser, even if they're taking certain actions that you don't like. Mm-hmm. But you should not be. But but you should not be disparaging them for feelings that they have that they don't have a control over. The question is: Is there a a fundamental right to choose um, to discriminate? And I'm using this in just the general sense of the term when someone takes an action that you believe to be wrong. We think so in almost every case, right? Except this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's and there's a couple others, but this is I think, this is the one of this generation, right? I think for part it's because um, 
I think for part, we don't just say, oh, well, you made this decision, therefore we can discriminate against you. I think it's because uh, the decision is so closely tied to um, uh, an innate, uh, or not innate, wrong word, uh, a, a desire within you that you did not choose that desire. I think because it's so closely related that we blur those lines really easily and uh, have a hard time it would be really hard to say you have strong uh, attractions to your own gender. Therefore, because you acted on those desires, I have the right to discriminate against you. Um, I think we associate those so closely that we wouldn't want to do that. And I'm, and I'm not suggesting that we should. Right, right. I, I'm, I'm simply saying it becomes more complicated. And my point isn't, oh, well, Christians, you should be discriminated against people who you know are sleeping with people who are their own gender. Give me a break. Yeah. You should be discriminated against heterosexuals who are sleeping with people who are not married to. You should be discriminated against everyone who's, who's using pornography, which is like whatever percentage of society right now. You should be discriminated against. If you're going to discriminate against every sin, give right, me a freaking right, right. break. I mean, yeah. it's just craziness. You've got a long list. I'm not suggesting that. You might as well all. close up shop. What I'm saying is, is that when you add this one to the mix, it's, it makes, it, it is complicated. It complicates, um, it complicates the, uh, the, the categories. Right that you're generally dealing with. Um, I don't think you should be discriminating at all against people based on most of these things when you're talking about people coming into your store to buy stuff. I do think that an artist, should, I don't, in other words, if these guys walked into a Masterpiece Cake Shop and said, I'd like that cake over there that was sitting there, uh-huh. I don't think he should be able to say no to them. Right. He should have to sell that cake to them. Yeah, if, if there's just like a generic wedding cake sitting there and they say, Okay, answer this. There's a generic wedding cake sitting there. They say, we're getting married. They're clearly two men. Uh, we're getting married. We would like to buy this cake. Does he at that point have a right to say no? I don't think so, no. Okay. No. Because it's not art at that point. Well, I mean... It's not he... Maybe I won't say that. It doesn't, but. He, did not, he did not create that piece of art to celebrate any particular wedding. Right. For instance, what if they... Let's put it this way. If they said, I want to buy this, not for a wedding, but because I just, we just want to go out in the back and eat it, would he sell it to them? Sure he would. Yeah. You know, but that's not what he created it for. Right. He created it for a wedding, right? right yeah, but yeah. if it's a if it's something that's on the floor, I don't think he should be able to stop them from buying it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, under under this law, he would not be allowed to stop them from buying it. The question comes when you ask someone like to would. create. Yeah. When you ask someone to create, that is a different thing because it, it, it's we have we 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 have to maintain the free speech um, and free exercise clauses of the First Amendment if we want to maintain a society that doesn't just become totalitarian and craziness. Yeah, and so I think that there's a huge difference, but I do not think if you if you own Walmart. This issue should not come up for you, right? If you if you've got a, a regular store, or whatever, the only place where this should really come into play is, is for artists. For artists who are asked to to create pieces of art that celebrate, and not just same sex weddings, that celebrate any message that they wouldn't want to celebrate or they wouldn't want to speak right. to, they should have rights of conscience to not do that. That's the only place where this should come in if you come into if i have a store and you come in to buy paper plates and knives and whatever and you say these are for a same-sex wedding i should not be able to be like well then you can't buy them for me right no i i, I disagree with that I, I i don't think we should be discriminating against people 
in, in these circumstances in a society that, let's be honest, this is not a theocracy. This right. is a society where we have to live together. Right. Now, I may have my own personal opinions about whatever, but I don't question people. What if they came in and they said, uh, I want these plates because I left my wife to marry this. You know, I, I left my wife and kids so I could marry this woman over here and we're going to be get married tomorrow. I divorce my wife and blah, blah, blah. Well, I wouldn't like that any more than I'd like a same-sex wedding, right? Um, but I'm not asking that person, so I shouldn't be asking the other person. It's just, it's one of these things where public accommodations are public accommodations. There is a big difference between that and art. There just is. And and, and to leave you with, with something on this, and I know that, look, if I really wanted to get into this case, I mean, just, just listening to the arguments and reading the, the parts of the opinion that I read, you know, took a long, long time. I mean, I could talk for a very long time about the nuances legally of this case, but I think what most of the listeners need to understand is that this is a case that was balancing two things. One is that people should not be being discriminated against disparaged, okay? The other is that people should have the right to, to have freedom uh, to exercise their religion and freedom of conscience to do certain things. And when those two things run up against each other, we have to come up with a way to, to resolve them. In this case, the court resolved towards freedom of exercise and freedom to exercise religion. Um, and they should have, because it was clear that the Colorado Commission was um, antagonistic towards religion, which the government is not allowed to be antagonistic toward religion. And right. so it's clear that that's, and in the future, you know, there, that will come into play where it comes into play. I believe there's a large free speech issue here. That also, if you want to hear more about that, you can read Justice Thomas's uh, concurring opinion, which is, I think, a, somewhere in around page 38 or so of the opinion. You can get these opinions online. Oh, you lost um, me. There were 38 pages. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's lots of pages in these opinions. Um, and you can read Justice Thomas's opinion if you want to hear more about the free speech side. Uh, what's most important to me is that wh- whoever you are, whether you're a believer, an unbeliever, whether you identify as gay, transgender, bisexual, whatever, that Jesus loves you, <laughs> you know, and that that's what you're going to hear from me is that Jesus loves you and that Jesus wants you to be in relationship with him. You will not hear from me that I think it's good or okay or celebrate or celebratory um, to be engaged in a same-sex sexual relationship or a same-sex marriage. I won't say that because I don't believe it's true. And I understand that for some people, they find that to be offensive. And that hurts my heart because I have no desire to offend anyone. I just have to speak the truth, but I want to do it in love and let you know that Jesus loves you, that I love you, um, that you are welcome to worship with me at Acts Church, that you are welcome to, um, to be in relationship with me and with my family. We love you, we don't think of people as any less because they suffer with a particular uh, uh, proclivity or with a certain sin. But of course, I'm always going to be pushing for you to have a relationship with Jesus and for you to be transformed in many, many more ways than just your sexuality. In every way, as Christ has transformed me, I've I have been in sexual sin in the past. I have been in you name it. I've been in every kind of sin, and and the Lord has transformed me and redeemed me. And I had to humbly accept that. Um, that what I was doing was rebellion to God. And that's all we're asking anybody to do. We want people to understand how much God loves them. Um, Yes, there are things that will need to change, and there'll be a lot more things than just your sexuality. This goes for heterosexual, homosexual, however people identify. Uh, There'll be a lot more than just your sexuality that has to change. But in this day and age, Hunter, I'm not sure I know anybody who comes into the church at about past age 12 that doesn't have some kind of sexual sin in their past. Uh, Whether whether it's homosexuality, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, pornography, whether it's been sex outside of marriage, whether it's been, I mean, just you name it. 
You yeah. Know, just run it up the list. There's so much sexual sin in our society. And I'm not going to separate out same-sex couples as if their sin is this horrific thing and the other guy's sin who's sleeping with his girlfriend isn't married is an okay thing. Right. They're all they're all sin. They're all not they're all not taking what God has has determined and created sex to be and using it correctly. Yep. That's true of all of it. They're so, all, all missing the mark. They're all missing the mark. That's right, which is what sin is. So let's pray. Um, if you guys have questions, comments, um, you know, leave them in the in the uh, just you know under the video on Facebook or Instagram, wherever you found the not the video, the podcast, wherever you found the podcast, you can go on SoundCloud. Um, feel free to leave us reviews on iTunes. Uh, and uh, we hope that this was informative and we hope that uh, you'll have a great week. So let's pray. Father, I just pray, Lord, for all of your people and all the believers, Lord, that, that serve you and love you and those that are um, have chosen to follow you. Help us to love others and draw them towards you, Lord, regardless of what their issues are. Lord, help us not to discriminate against people, um, but rather to see everybody as created in your image and likeness, whatever their sin is. Uh, and, and I just pray that you'd help us to be loving and honoring um, and that while we speak the truth, we don't do it to offend, even though we know that it will offend some. Um, but we ask that you would help us to speak the truth in a way that shows people love and care and affection and attention um, and value, Lord. And we just thank you for uh, all that you're doing. We pray that you would be with uh, the people in our government and our Supreme Court and these people who have to make what are difficult decisions. I pray you'd be with both the Masterpiece Cake Shop and the um, two men who uh, were on the other side of this case, Lord, that all of them would find uh, peace and love in you. Lord, I just pray that you would help us to see sex uh, the way that you made it for what it's for what it is, and not to raise it up to something that it's not, um, not to make it, uh, you know, a god in our lives or an idol in our lives, um, but to seek you first and your kingdom and your righteousness, and let everything else follow from that. Lord, we love you in your name. Amen. <laughs>